Hey, Jordan, how's it going? Hey, hey, Rob. Uh, you see this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty exciting shit. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I saw a lot I... of doom and gloom on the on the timeline, and I don't really get it. You know, I'm, I'm fired either. up. I'm fired up right now. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you have like the the purest the far left who of course they found an, they find an issue with everything but i'm 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 pretty excited about these uh these results yeah well let's dive into this like what's your i haven't talked to you since uh, since yesterday like what's your what's your main takeaway i know we lost virginia but it's not the end of the world right what's your takeaway from all this well i just think that like this is a wake up call this if anything the silver lining here is this they're going to wake up democrats are going to wake up yeah. they're going to realize that like we need to win elections. We need to, we need to run candidates everywhere. Um, yeah, this it's just it seems like a no brainer. Yeah, and just like obviously, I feel like it's the final nail in the coffin. We got to stop running like these woke left wing candidates like Terry McAuliffe in Virginia. Uh, you know, we try to appeal to the young crowd with that kind of like basically a borderline socialist, and it's just obviously people are rejecting it. It's it's a center right country. And we have to start running candidates that are gonna that are gonna speak to those values. No more of these left wing guys, you know? It's more yeah. ammunition when we kind of make these arguments. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We can't run on things um that are just too extreme. I think this is just we need to get down to the trenches and we need to just spend all of our time saying, nah, that's not true to every mention of, of critical race theory hysteria that the right has to offer. That is what's going to get dem- uh, democratic voters fired up. Yeah, absolutely. And Rob, I don't know if you saw in Minnesota, but the voters shut down a proposal by activists yeah. to uh, redo the police department, make a community policing division uh, that would have included police. Uh, but I think that, that just that it's a firm rejection of this defund the police nonsense that uh, has been killing Democrats nationwide. We yeah. cannot have activists proposing alternatives policy alternatives no. to the how things are done now. And I think the most important thing, because we've been getting killed on this, conservatives have been going nonstop talking about how liberals and Democrats want to defund the police. And now I think we can firmly say they, they'll never be able to say that again, right? Now that we've kind of put our weight behind this, they'll never be able to use that attack line ever again. So yeah. And in Cleveland, we saw a, a candidate who you know successfully beat Nina Turner uh, in the primary again a rejection of progressives and this is where I I think exemplifies bipartisan support. This is somebody who had uh, Trump donor money, uh, con- you know Republican super PAC money uh, and billionaire money, all come together in unison in a show of unity in the, the Israel lobby as keep, well. Was yeah, in there. to keep Nina Turner out, and I just think. There is hope for the country when you have bipartisan efforts like that. It's beautiful. That's called democracy, and I love it. I mean, speaking of this stuff, I mean, it's it brings us back to that reconciliation bill. And I know that like um, insurgents board member Joe Manchin is working really hard on making sure that like that's not you know it's going to be spending too much money. It's not going to be too left wing. It's not going to be too extravagant. Like, is there any way? Because I know they've cut quite a lot out of there. Can we like reach out to our sources? In the White House, is there any chance they can cut even more out of that? Because I think the more the sense that I'm getting is the more that they cut out of that, uh, expanding expanding Medicare to people, uh, the environmental stuff, just get get all that out of there. I feel like the more they cut it, the better the success rate is going to be in this coming midterm election. So I think we got to really hammer that home to our our sources in the White House there. 
Yeah, absolutely. What working people in America care about most is the deficit. So the more we can cut out, the better everyone is going to feel. Uh, Working people across the country, by and large, number one issue is reducing the federal deficit. So this is an opportunity for the Democrats. We'll see if they take it. Hell yeah. On to to 2022. Let's go, baby. We're going to crush it. Welcome, everyone. It's the Insurgents episode 84. We got Rob and Jordan here. Um, how's it going, Jordan? How are you doing? Uh, okay. Uh, not a lot to work with there. We got, we do have uh, our friend Luke O'Neill from Welcome to Hell World, uh, the Substack, also the author of the book Hell World, uh, and the sequel Lockdown in Hell World gonna be joining us in just a few minutes excited to talk to him luke's a really cool guy we talked a little bit about the the sort of the the elections that happened uh the other night and overall the sense of sort of disillusionment and disappointment that i think a number of of people are feeling right now um when you kind of look at the united states and and where things seem to be headed but i think there's a couple of things we didn't touch on that i wanted to get your opinion on because so um when it comes to these elections uh you mentioned India Walton, right? That was one thing we got into that a little bit last week. Yeah, that was somebody who won the primary. She was uh, open democratic socialist, and she, after winning the primary, the mayor, current mayor Byron Brown, tried to get on the ballot through some like other party. I can't remember, like made a party even maybe, and yeah. didn't concede. Like didn't. I thought the my understanding, my outside understanding, was in these situations you lose a primary. You're supposed to be like, okay, well, the better person won. Congratulations. Not yeah, so. Some, not so in this case. Apparently, well, it depends what on, I've depends always on told. where you are. Yeah, it depends on where you are. Right. Some places have like uh, sore loser laws or sore loser rules where you can't just uh, get back in the race when you when you lose. Uh, New York does not, and that's why people were concerned when AOC beat Joe Crowley. They thought he was going to do that. So this is what Byron Brown did. He tried to get on the ballot. And eventually, at the very, very late in the game, they said, no, you can't do that. So he waged a write-in campaign, and they rallied their supporters, and he ended up winning uh, because of that. So uh, I don't know <laughs> how uh, people can feel inspired by that or feel comfortable with with that, but, but here we are. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the frustrating thing, right, is that people tell you, like, well, don't just complain. You got to do something right? Go run for something if you want to change things. Don't just yell at mm. politicians. Go run for something. And then this this consistent uh, phenomenon of people like India Walden who are like, okay, and they go and do that. And then you have the, the most powerful people in this, in this very, very well-connected political party completely go against everything and just like completely pull out every stop, get all the dark money involved and Republican money and real estate developers and all these people that are involved in the sort of machine of Democratic Party politics to ensure that um, that someone like India Walton can't actually win, even though like what she was actually proposing would have been really transformative and really helpful to a lot of poor and working class and racialized people in Buffalo. It would have been, you know, really, really uh, important victory for them. 
um, but they're so wedded to this idea of, of keeping their their specific vision moving forward at all costs of this kind of like relentless neoliberalism that they'll put all the stops even when someone does does exactly that they do you know they they run for something they do everything right um and then it's still not enough and it's just it's got to be really really demoralizing for anyone that's on the outside looking in that's kind of wondering like maybe that's something if i want to change things in my community if i want to change things for my my friends and my family that's how i can do it um and it's just it's like a total slap in the face to anyone that was maybe considering uh, this idea that you can get involved with the Democratic Party and make things slightly better in your community, um, because you see that when they when you're an outsider and when you threaten this kind of status quo that they come to represent, they'll pull out all the stops to ensure that you're not able to win. Yes, it um, it came on the heels of, or this 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 write-in campaign and this push to ouster. You know, also came on the heels of the Buffalo Bills, whose owners are worth like five billion dollars. Um, after she won the pri- the primary, said, "Oh, you know what? We want a new stadium now, and uh, if we don't get it, and the taxpayers don't pay a hundred percent of the bill, we're gonna move." Uh, so, you know, this is this is a potential giveaway to billionaires uh, in Buffalo on the line too. That didn't really get discussed enough. Uh, but potentially them, uh, uh, voters in Buffalo electing Byron Brown over India Walton could <laughs> ultimately cost them like maybe a cool billion in, in a tax giveaway to a billionaire family for a new Bill Stadium. So there are consequences to this. And she was running on an equitable economic first uh, policy and, and proposal. And... You know, so much for the elect black women, you know, mantra yeah, that we've, we've the backbone heard. of the party, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except when she's to my left, as <laughs> the uh, McSweeney's uh, article uh, writes. It's just, yeah. it's so, it's so fucking frustrating, man. You also mentioned that initiative that failed in in Minneapolis about the the community policing, um, the the really the shift that they were trying to to make there which I also understand is really demoralizing and frustrating people, especially coming from like where the nexus of where those George Floyd protests like initially kicked off. And it's where it is a site of like a a lot of police violence. And I understand that activists do have a somewhat tricky line to try and follow when you're convincing these communities to get on board with this somewhat radical project to just reimagine how these things work. But that is one area though. I think that people should be encouraged the fact that like they got to that point um i think it's such a it's such a, a rebuke of like what the status quo has been when it comes to policing that um even though this initiative failed i think people should be encouraged that those conversations are happening and like i said like i do understand that some communities like some, even it's like you know some immigrant communities and other communities have real fears when it comes to this idea of defunding the police and what that would mean and I, I do think it is going to be possible over more a longer period of time to educate people on why these things are so important um, and can hopefully lead to actual genuine reform in that area eventually. But again, like it is, I understand also why it's just really uh, upsetting for people that that these these initiatives that were that were really close to materializing that would have meant real profound change you know it's frustrating to come close to feeling like these things are on the horizon and then having to having to get set back like that yeah i talked about this with um max 
Collins from Eve Six on Deep Dive a couple weeks ago. We were talking about people we didn't like, and he said one of his is uh, Matt Iglesias. And people like him, and there's many people like this, revel in these moments. Like, haha, I told you this person can't win. And it's just like, what are you what are you doing to help though? Like what what are you doing to change these problems that you assure us you take seriously and you want to do something about? What are you doing? And it's always nothing. And I think it takes like a, a strong person to certainly run on these ideas because they're not like maybe politically viable, um, but they're not as common or people don't understand them to be as common as they are. And they people perceive them as extreme. This is in large part because of corporate media and politicians who just want to cling to power. And to do that, you know, you're going against you know, you're going against the current. And I think that takes a strong person to do. And certainly I think people who advocate for these things, especially in their free time, are noble. And it's irritating when you have people like these kind of like election experts who just be like, ah, well, told you, this person can't win. It's like, well, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing to help? Um, And it's, and I think it's just like, for them, it's, it's gratifying because their perceived enemies lost. But the end result is these issues that, again, they assure us they take seriously are never addressed or never sufficiently addressed. So I find it really frustrating in these moments when you have when you have people like that who are like, ha told you. Like, yeah, you're worthless. You're fucking worthless. You're standing idly by uh, as these things continue. These systems and the environment continues to deteriorate and these systems continue to inflict pain and suffering on people like worthless, worthless people. Yep. And, um, I think just, just as a general trend, it just, it, it feels a little bit like the writing is kind of on the wall for like where this is going for like the democratic party over the next couple of years. Uh, and it, it, it seems a lot like history is kind of about to repeat itself. Um, and that, that I think is probably the most depressing thing at all, because I feel like there was an opportunity to potentially avoid that scenario that feels a little bit like it's been squandered at this point, um, which, you know, it was is not going to be mean good things for the people of the United States or, or anywhere else, really. But let's I mean, we're going to talk about that with Luke O'Neill, um, this this sense of disillusionment. Uh, Luke is, is someone that's very uh, uh, adept at, at capturing that both on the page and in podcast form. So I think we think we should bring on Luke now to talk about this stuff. Again, really good talk. Uh, I think everyone's going to enjoy it. Luke O'Neill of Welcome to Hell World will be joining the show right after this. Okay, so sometimes you start off the recording... And so you jump right into the, and now we're here with, like I said, though, sometimes I'd like to try and capture some, some witty banter. Um, and that's always difficult to manufacture out of nowhere, right? It's mm-hmm. tricky. That's a tricky line to cross. I mean, earlier you were saying all kinds of wacky stuff that you probably, you're, for your sake, it's better that it was not being recorded because there's all kinds of, what I thought was pretty controversial uh, opinions being expressed, but we don't need to get into that. But Well, that's, I, I mean, I, I, I don't really feel like I can speak freely anymore on account of uh, cancel culture. Yeah. Um, it is a gotta, problem. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, I'm, I'm being muzzled uh, by the woke mob. 
but uh, you know that's that's just uh, it's only going to make me more powerful. Once I'm going to watch my Substack numbers go up. Yeah, that's how it works. I'm pretty sure we're all on Substack. Yeah, so we're free. We're free from that kind of censorship. (laughs) Yeah, we can say whatever we want, and we just have to spend a lot of money to have our blogs hosted. Yeah, exactly. And it's weird. I've been saying whatever I want, but no one, no one really gets mad enough at us to like really put a big, you know, boost into the into the sub numbers. Yeah, I feel like you have to. Apparently, the way to do it is you have to make a massive spectacle of yourself day in and day out. Right. Um, which I'm just not really comfortable doing. No, I mean I've certainly had my my moments, but I I, I well, I'm not same. interested in. I'm just not interested in being like. Uh, in the center of some bullshit every single day, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's like exhausting. Like, you know, obviously, you know, obviously we've all, uh, you know, started some shit on Twitter or gotten into shit and, you know, but, uh, the, the, the people that seem to like crave it every single day is just baffling to me. Um, are we going by the way? It was just like, a Oh yeah, this is up. the banter. Yeah. 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 So oh. you see how the, the expert broadcaster, professional broadcaster, I initiated the banter, so, but with a meta, with a meta twist mm-hmm. referencing it. See, this oh. is how I operate. Okay. Well, if you run any of that, that I just said, I'm going to sue you. So <laughs> <laughs> what distinguishes though, like the blowback that we would get versus the people on Substack for what they get. Cause there's their controversy so often veer into like deliberate targeting uh, of trans people and transphobia, questioning their validity as, as humans uh, and, you know, singling out specific people who are relatively powerless uh, and trying to make them into these like grand villains. Like they don't get the blowback that like the right wing media infrastructure will subject people like on our side to like, I remember you had a, a kind of a tongue in cheek tweet about like, I think spitting in Bill Crystal's food. And that was like a Fox news cycle for a few right. days. No, it was, like, yeah, it oh, was you're, a, I didn't realize you were a Fox news veteran as well. That's cool. No, it, actually it was, it was a Boston globe story, which, which okay. made it even you know worse because that's the thing that happens when, when, you know, people on the left or whatever get canceled they're not really like nobody gives i'm not famous no nobody you know i'm not powerful or or that well known but what they're trying to do is take a take a chunk out of the boston globe which is a you know a liberal institution and so that's i feel like that's the the difference with the way it usually works coming from the other direction is or they're or they're trying to take down harvard or whatever you know whatever school it is like nobody gives a shit about me or whatever some you know dumb fucking professor says, it's just like an opportunity to to use the the person to to sort of denigrate what what is widely known. You know, everyone on the right has heard of the Boston Globe, so it's just like another chance to to um, sort of bring them down a peg. But um, yeah, um, or like this random Canadian guy proves that all liberals secretly love MS thirteen and think they're cool and good. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Like, that well, wasn't right that, that wasn't the point. Yeah, in that case, that was true. But yeah. usually, this is more of an exaggeration. Right. <laughs> um, but no, I actually, I mean, I don't know. It is kind of. I do. I I, I talk a lot of shit about Substack, but it has actually been a huge boon to my life and changed you know changed everything for me. And I'm able to make a living off it. Would feel very fortunate. And and so you know, it's not all bad. And there are actually lots of good people on there doing good work. I just feel bad that it's become synonymous with like transphobia, you know, and, yeah. and cancel culture. And I don't, 
like another thing i don't like i can see if you want to be a transform or whatever i mean i don't like it and i think it sucks but like i can see like doing an article about that like every now and again but i don't really get how you can there's enough you know in the in the well to go back to like every week like a lot of these people seem to do it kind of blows my mind you know like how much meat is there on the bone before you start repeating yourself every time yeah i think it's it's just it's the reaction there there are a couple people who have a substack together who are you know well-known transphobes and they make that the focus of their work one even had like you know a magazine cover story and they right. were tweeting about their like most recent uh episode yesterday one of the hosts was and said and like they had like i guess a hypothetical discussion on their show like well would you have sex with a trans person yeah. and they said yeah uh only if they had four legs and a long mane like comparing trans people to horses and it's just like Whoa. i got like i read it and i was like angry what but the? it's like and i want i didn't i didn't i force myself not to respond or try to dunk on them because that's what they want it's Whoa. what it's what fucking feeds their their enterprise I mean, you know, uh, the, the, the politics and the sensitivity, sensitivity of, of that aside, you just have to admit it's just a really well-constructed joke, you know? It just really sings the humor of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's just real good. So, I mean, as a fan of comedy, I, I think <laughs> comedy uh, comedians, if, you know, nothing else, are the last truth-tellers we have, you know? Yes. And um, if... If we start if we start censoring them, you know what what happens next. My my big thing is that everything is a slippery slope. So whenever one thing happens, the worst possible thing slightly related to that automatically always is going to happen. Uh, that's that's kind of how I live my life, and and that's my politics. Everything is a is a slippery slope. Um, one thing that when it comes to like the Substack folks and some of the bigger the bigger names that are on there, kind of creating this kind of weird reactionary narrative I, the, the constant obsession with pointing out hypocrisy in liberal media and just saying like well liberals were mad at trump for doing x but now they think it's okay when biden is doing is doing the same thing and it's like okay yeah sure liberals are hypocrites they're annoying liberal media bad i agree with most of these stances but is that something that we need to talk about and like get it get into the nitty-gritty of these inane culture war battles day in and day out it's just it's so it's so not interesting to me and when i see some names with like um, who have amazing you know talent people that i used to like admire and respect and look up to kind of descending into this it's just kind of like what is <laughs> it's just depressing you know i just don't i don't understand the fascination with it it really um, is you know what i think I, I think we should even like let's let's not even talk about this anymore it's it's <laughs> it's, 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 it's I, I think it's like a bummer uh, it is yeah no i know we could talk My about my banter is taking a dark turn. No, it's unfortunate. <laughs> we could talk uh, about um, Joe Manchin uh, getting harassed by uh, by protesters today. Jordan, you were all all over that. I saw. Yeah. Well, let we should talk about that before we do. I'll just make sure that everyone knows that we are speaking to Luke O'Neill, uh, the author of the uh, Welcome to Hell World uh, on Substack, which is also turned into uh, the book. Uh, Hell World, followed by the sequel, Lockdown and Hell World. Luke, we're really happy you could come on the the program Thanks, to talk guys. to us it's, about this. It's nice to uh, it's nice to hear your voices after usually just uh, communicating uh, in the in the DM with our with our discontents uh, group <laughs> that we should yeah. all, also plug here. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I actually think. I mean, uh, to get back to Substack just for one second, I think it's really cool what we're doing there. With with we've got like such a cool 
lineup of like really talented people doing great work and like across the whole spectrum of of fields you know and uh it would be great if if people paid more attention to it as we've been talking about Yes. It's a, it's a constant source of frustration for me, actually. Yeah, me too. Me too. I don't understand <laughs> why. Like, I think I said this in the DM the other day, but like if a, if a website launched and it had all of these people that are involved in it on the masthead, it would be, everyone would be like, holy shit. Right. Yeah. Like, and yet, you know, <clears throat> I mean, it's doing fine or whatever. I'm not, yeah. uh, you know, it's just, no, not. no, of course. But I just, I guess that's, that's what I mean. That's, that's my source of frustration. That's why I brought it up. It's just, it seems like it should be enough to just be, to have such a great cast of characters doing great work. That should be enough, I feel. But it, it really seems like in order to take that next step, it really involves making this constant spectacle of yourself, which I feel like no, no one, no one that is involved with uh, these, these projects are ever really uh, interested in. No. Yeah. Everyone would seems like they just assume, uh, you know, not, not, not field hundreds of shitty comments every day. If anything else, that's like my, my uh, motto is these days is I do not I have no interest in, in like, I don't know. I just don't want to like toss a grenade into the uh, timeline anymore. And like, Oh, I'm going to yeah. shake things up and, you know, tell it like it is. And then it's just like <laughs> not worth it. Like the, the constant stream of shitheads you get in your mention for saying anything, uh, you know, too, prov too provocative. I just want to kind of, you know, chill out, share my articles, talk about Weezer and Deftones all day. And <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. You know? Yeah. Um, but Luke, before we get going any further, we have to ask you, because we've asked everybody, we, we like to get people on the record on this question. Uh, it's a bit controversial. Mm -hmm. But Luke, are you a gamer? I am not a gamer. Uh, but Ooh. it's not for, I mean, I first of all, I'm old. Uh, but secondly, I, I, I was a gamer. I just kind of uh let my my uh my skills uh, subside i think i i stopped probably stopped playing games like 10 years ago not for any reason just because like i always had roommates or who had you know were always keeping up on whatever the latest system was so i just play theirs and then once it was just me and my wife i i never got a you know never got a, a system so it just kind of fell by the wayside um <clears throat> but you know i i can like it seems like i can't even imagine like just from like paying attention a little bit it seems like things are so much more advanced than they were like even 10 years ago and i don't even know if i could you know wrap my head around it um yeah the the multiplayer and especially the battle royale format like the explosion of that over the past several years has really taken over now every game wants to have like a battle royale mode including I, tetris really i yeah i think yeah. I, I think i stopped like i mean maybe it was even longer that after like maybe like the second or third halo uh or like the second uh was the one prince of persia is that the uh was the one where you jump around and solve puzzles and shit i'm pretty sure yeah. that's all of them yeah 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 <laughs> um so i mean i love that shit but yeah at first just some reason i don't know i just decided to 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 uh well i didn't decide to give it up it just kind of you know it, it atrophied my, my gaming brain atrophied yeah jordan do they have like microtransactions in tetris now like you can pay to get the <laughs> to get the big long one if you need to get the big tetris i don't know if it's thing. that specific or real time but i think there is like add-on bonus content for the tetris 99 is what it's called i haven't played it in a while come on i'm, I'm sure there's like skins that you can buy to get like different backgrounds Every game has that bullshit now. Yeah. 
Well, I'm I'm sorry that uh, to let you guys down like that. It's um, all right. I suppose right. we can continue any anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You still want to still want to talk? <laughs> we'll, we'll find it within ourselves to mm-hmm. continue talking I, about it. Once a gamer, always a gamer. So you have it deep yeah. down in you. It's right, just really right. more of a, an ethos or a mindset. Yeah. It never really goes away. No, yeah. oh, for sure, for sure. It's <laughs> it's inside of me. It's just it's like it's it's you know it's like wait waiting to be uh, unlocked again. You know. Yeah. Um, it's like. You know, I just watched Dune, so I'm thinking about, you know, what's his name? Paul has all these inherent powers inside of him waiting to be unlocked. And I guess that, that I guess I'm kind of like the, the Dune of gamers. Okay. Are <laughs> you doing what, yeah, pills now? What, I've been saying it, but I'm glad you finally acknowledged it. I, I didn't, I, I was a little, I felt a little nervous about admitting that in front of everybody, but I'm glad we got it out there. Did you guys uh, like Dune? I did, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Dune head from way back. You know, I've read the books. I should I, really... I should I read it? Uh, I keep getting mixed signals, and like I'm a sci-fi guy. You know, I even though I'm not a gamer, I'm still a, a, have a lot of fucking nerdy uh, tendencies. I'm a comic book guy and a you know sci-fi guy. Yeah. And, um, but for some reason, I never got to Dune. You know, even though I was like, well, it's a really intimidating kind of mythology. Yeah. Um. What I would say is yes to just reading the fir- reading the first book. Right. Maybe you can read the second one, Dune Messiah, but it's really not necessary. It kind of deter, in my opinion, it deteriorates in quality. The universe expands so much, the mythology expands so much that it goes so far beyond the the relatively simple story that's being told in the first one that you kind of like you go so far away from that that it starts to be about all kinds of different stuff. But definitely recommend checking out that first one, especially if you want to see what now what's going to happen. And if you if you're Dune pilled, if you saw the movie, yeah, for sure, you want to see where it's going. And I, I the thing I love, I really I like I really love the world building of the movie. I mean, it's not obviously it's not new, but it was new to me, so it was like you know tickling my my brain in in the way that like great sci-fi does where like especially parts where they just like sort of stop by some planet for like you know two two or three minute scene and you it's like really well designed and then they leave and you're like oh what the fuck is that place about you know like that's my that's what i sort of love is that is the, the sort of hinting at things and you can you know you fill in the rest with your imagination yeah um that was one thing that I think the, the the original David Lynch version really struggled with too, because partially I think because of studio interference, there's such this huge expansive mythology and backstory. They wanted everything to be explained at mm, length, so right. there's all these digressions. There's voiceover narration. Every character is like you can f- hear what their thoughts are specifically, and it gets to be so much. And I did like that in that new version how they do just kind of like put you in a certain situation and allow you to sort of figure out the backstory just from the context rather than hang, banging you over the head with exposition and, and explaining every single little thing. For sure. That was I, cool. My one, I mean, my one criticism was kind of unfair in that a lot of the stuff that have become like well-worn tropes were, are in the movie, but it's like not Dune's fault that it was influenced like the yes. past, you know, 60, 50 years, whatever it's been of, of sci-fi, you know, like Game of Thrones shit in there and Star Wars shit and like, well, it came before Star Wars, right? Sixties, wasn't it? The yeah. Book? yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so you know, but that's like an unfair thing to to be like, oh, this you know, chosen one shit, you know, the Matrix obviously was influenced by it, and um, 
but yeah, I, 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 I think I, I think I might read the book. Um, so, uh, thank you for pushing me over the edge there, Rob. Yeah, that's uh, what I do. <laughs> Uh, what, what do you, so what do you guys think about, so it's an interesting thing. This is something that I think about, like, if you mentioned the double standard thing earlier, you know, these kids are protesting mansion, they're yelling at him, they're getting in front of his car. And I think there is a tendency. So let's say people were doing that to AOC or whoever is that we're, you know, the handful of politicians that people on the left, you know, kind of like, um, would we be like, now that, that's beyond the pale, that's over the line, they shouldn't be doing that. Um, but I think the difference is, is what those people would be protesting her for is something really yeah. dumb, dumb, that doesn't matter, you know? So like, you can take this stuff on a case by case basis, right? Like, you know, storming the Capitol and all that shit. I mean, in theory, why not? But it just happened to be for the dumbest fucking cause that I've ever heard yeah. of. You know what I mean? What yeah, you, I mean things are not in, on a, in a vacuum, just good or bad. Like if you're doing a good, possibly good thing for a bad reason, then you don't have to support it. And it would be different if different people were doing it for a good reason. Right. It would be different. It's not right. hard to like make this distinction. You don't have to have this blanket. No, I don't think that's. A, I don't think that's a double standard. You know, like yeah. if you know, it, uh, same thing with like you know mask and vax protests or whatever. Like great, you know, it's great. It's great that people are being active in the you know political realm and, and voicing their opinions and, and yelling at their politicians, but it just happens to be for something really fucking stupid. So I don't have to, you know, while I might appreciate the the, the methods, uh, you know, uh, I don't the, the 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 message behind them is you can say like they don't match up, you know. Yeah, um, I. I... I think we've seen that play. I mean, even look at the let, look at the let's go Brandon. Yeah, I was going to say let's thing. go Brandon, yeah. It's so <laughs> fucking stupid. Yeah. But like Libs acting like this is some serious issue that we have well, to start airline like addressing. This airline pilot said let's go Brandon. He yeah, should be like, lose, he should lose his job. Cares? Like who, yeah, yeah, like they all just screamed fuck Joe Biden or fuck Trump like for 4 years and longer like in the in the campaign. I, I you walk around DC and it is all the graffiti. It's it's stickers, it's posters, it's like art. Fuck Trump was like a rallying cry right. for the resistance, and now they're acting and good for them. aggrieved because someone dares to say fuck Joe Biden in a coded way. Well, I mean, I think the only thing that's bad about it is that they're just not saying fuck Joe Biden because you know <laughs> yeah. fuck Joe Biden. Like, yeah, who, just say it. It's, it who gives you a feel shit? better when you just say it? Right. Like, I don't think. I'm certainly not going to take offense on behalf of Joe fucking Biden, you know? Yeah. But like you said, it's like the only thing that's different is that even though I'm not like, you know, I'm obviously not like offended by it or anything. You can say, say whatever you want. I don't really care. But all of the reasons that these people think that it's good to say fuck Joe Biden are probably not reasons that I would agree with. And all the things that I would say fuck Joe Biden over his long history of supporting mass incarceration and imperialism right. and the neoliberalism and all these terrible things that he stood for throughout his career. That's why I would say fuck Joe Biden, but they probably like agree with a lot of these things. Right. And, and they they say it because they think that he's like a secret communist who wants to dilute the white race by <laughs> by giving people vac evil vaccines or whatever, whatever the fuck, you know? Right. Like, so that's the difference there. Yeah, and we don't have to, like, just because some, uh, you know, right-wing guy hates Joe Biden, like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't find fellowship with them for that. You yeah. know, it's like, well, congratulations. You have, you have like a baseline 
decent opinion. That doesn't mean we're on the same side. That doesn't mean we have anything to, to work, work towards in common, you know? Um, but you know, I think again, we can just agree that whatever you want to say about it, the let's go Brandon is just really funny. It's just perfectly constructed piece of comedy, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, they say that the right is getting better at uh, comedy and, and it's scaring the left. And I, I have to agree, you know? Yeah, it is true. You guys got to give me a little, at least give me a little something, a little, <laughs> little courtesy chuckle. Uh, I was just, I was just skimming an article that I think just got published that kind of pertains to uh, Manchin and his role uh, in, in gutting this Build Back Better uh, reconciliation plan and the proposal, like the tax proposals and potential estate tax, it sounds like are now going to be removed from the bill. So another way to pay for it through uh, redistribution and taxing the wealthy is going to be removed. And in exchange, they're going to enact a nicotine levy, which... What? I, I, I need the stats. Yeah, I, I figured that one would hit hard with you. Oh, uh, but will, <laughs> I mean, disproportionately impact... Uh, the working class. Um, you know, there's much more working class smokers than there are uh, billionaires or vapors, whatever you, whatever you do. Right. Um, I, I and mean, this if, is how they're. This is how they're gonna, you know, make it, you know, deficit neutral. In part, it, what it, it, it has anything good? Like I stopped paying attention to what's in and out on a daily basis. A couple, you know, like a week ago or so. Like it's just like every day something was in, something was out. And so I don't really know where we're at. Like, I weren't they saying yesterday that the um, uh, paternity, paternity leave, uh, paternal leave is going back in or something? Is four that weeks. in still? So four you, weeks? You pop that baby out, you get four weeks, then you're back to work. Wow. That's very, very generous. <laughs> How generous. Thank you. <laughs> and, well, uh, and and then, you know, I think that, what was the what was the other thing that uh, I don't know, was anything is anything going to survive in terms of uh, expanding Medicare and like down to, uh, for um, dental hearing or? hearing <laughs> yeah that's all uh, I think dental's still out uh, hearing is in so you can listen uh, you can listen to your grandkids but you have to talk to them through your <laughs> right, raw through gums your, your dentures. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, that brings me to something I wrote about last week on, on Hell World, which is an interview with a dentist. Um, and, you know, he was talking about how fucking powerful the uh, American Dental Association is and how he gets emails from them every, every day, you know, being a dentist saying how we can't let this this expansion of Medicare pass. And like they're really like I, I didn't realize this until I was writing about it, but they're like. I think they're like the best funded of any sort of medical related uh, uh, associations, you know, um, and they really do not want any of this to happen, um, and which is, you know, fucked up, of course. And and then, you know, we sort of got into this dentist works for like one of these corporate dental chains that are kind of popping up, you know, more and more like Gentle Dental and Aspen Dental and all these, not, not those two. Uh, but, um, you know, he just talked about like the, basically if you're wondering if like your dentist is trying to like churn and burn you and give you things that you don't want and, or don't necessarily need, um, but kind of need, but, uh, you know, it, they are doing that is what he told me. 
like they they're they're under intense pressure to do uh, crowns, you know, on as many teeth as possible all the time because they can charge a lot for that. Um, they you know, so you, you know like when haven't you guys ever gone to the dentist and, and they tell you like oh yeah you're gonna need this tooth fixed that tooth fixed and then you're like are you is this guy fucking with me and you know sad, yeah sadly i i think he is you know it's fucked tooth up tooth mechanic yeah tooth. Um. And, and the other like one detail that i really loved or hated i guess that he told me is that every day at his you know this corporate chain they send out an email with the leaderboard so which dentist did the most build the most that day and they do it like all the way down so if you had a slow day or something or you know maybe you you know didn't weren't able to to usher in as many patients as, as you possibly could into the day that your name will be down there at the bottom of the list and obviously you know i think we can all assume what the implications are if you're on the bottom of the list, uh, you know, too often. So there's a very much, not only is the, there an incentive to, to do as much work as possible, but they're shaming the people who don't get on board with that sort of thing. These are the things that don't get mentioned in conversations around uh, like a for-profit healthcare model and why distancing ourselves from it um, and switching to an alternative universal care plan would be a better alternative as the rest of the developed world has. Like, I'm glad you're doing it, but like that, that never, I, I've never heard of anything like that. Um, and certainly not in even many policy discussions. Um, so no. it's, it's good that you're doing it, but we need much more coverage of that kind of stuff. I it's, know. That's and horrifying. Like, like the, the, the incentives are so clear that people were just going to insist that you need to do X, Y, and Z. And I, you know, again, that is one of the good things about, that I like about, uh, you know, doing a newsletter on my own is that, you know, I, for many years did wrote for all the, uh, you know, traditional publications and you, you couldn't just talk. Like one of the things I like to do is just like talk to a guy and be like, what's the deal with what you do? And you can't publish that sort of thing in like a newspaper or, you know, a traditional news website. Um, you can certainly quote, I could quote a dentist saying that, but then I'd have to mix it in with, you know, a couple other dentists who'd say that doesn't happen. And then I'd have to talk to the fucking head of the, you know, gentle dental to get their point of view. And it's yeah. just like, no, I don't want to hear the justifications for why this happened. I don't want to be buried in bullshit, you know, and obviously these big companies are good at burying reporters in bullshit. And, and, you know, uh, as we sort seen you know as we know we've known this for a while but there was like a good example of it this week that even the editors at you know the new york times are the most credulous fucking morons well i don't know if they're cre i don't know if they're, they're they're dupes or they're just complicit you know like what was the thing with uh what's his name the other day that was kind of a big thing um Oh yeah, the, I'm gonna the, need the, more info. Thomas Friedman, really the aliens thing. thing. No, no yeah. the, uh, the who was the who's the New York Times guy who sucks? Uh, no, Which that one? doesn't that doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's he, like a complete he, dipshit, blowhard, yeah. just always writing yeah. bad columns. Real, like hates. real sensitive, <laughs> yeah. doesn't take any criticism well. Uh, oh, he was God. doing like a Selena Zito thing. Um, where he characterized some fucking Republican operative as like a centrist, you know, like the, the, the shit they do all the time now. Yeah. Um, it's like, Oh, this like, or like, you know, it's bad enough when Fox news does that. They do like mother of four was worried that, you know, uh, children are being taught to hate themselves by, you know, CRT teachers. 
And then it turns out the the mother in question is like the head of the local county Republicans or whatever. Yeah. Um, How old are your kids? Well, 45. <laughs> right. Is the youngest. Like, oh, I, okay. loved it. I loved that story the other day, even though it was old, but coming out of Virginia, like the thing that they, they kind of ended the campaign with about that kid who like was having nightmares from, from reading Beloved or whatever. Like, yes. Like, how, how, I mean, I'm sure this kid's a fucking turd, uh, but... I just thought it was so funny. Like, imagine your mom calling yeah. up the newspaper and being like, my 18-year-old son is crying himself to sleep every night because of his homework. Which then goes viral, gets seen by millions of people. <laughs> right, right. And I he always, read a book that was very upsetting to him. Yeah. He was sad and crying after. I okay. always kind of feel that way, like, and this is a different type of thing, but you know how every now and again, some there'd be some things like, Nobody came to my son's, you know, my seven-year-old son's birthday party. Can we get it going viral and make yeah. everyone feel better? And it's like, obviously, that that you know, I feel bad for the kid, but it's like, do you really need to turn your kid into your kid's humiliation into content? Like that's yeah. Gonna, like, is oh. this about him or her? Or is <laughs> right. it about you? That's like the all of a sudden, a million people have seen that your kid. Nobody likes your kid. Like is that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the birthday's suddenly better as soon as mom gets a hundred thousand retweets. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, look exactly. At all, look at all this engagement, honey. I don't know. You get a couple of like sports guys getting in there. Right, right. It's like in the comments. Yeah, it's like, oh ma, like, oh honey, look, uh, you know, fucking Marcus Smart from the Celtics knows you <laughs> have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like when you it's just, I don't know. Everyone knows you're just an unlikable. All your little... favorite all your favorite heroes are now <laughs> fully aware that you're a fucking loser. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> No uh, one came to your Pokemon, bro. <laughs> I don't know, man. People love to post, I'll tell you that. Yeah, they do. They sure do. Um, no, but I mean, even going back to the stuff you're talking about, these these dental practices and, and just like the way that the idea of of dental health being part of healthcare has just been completely abandoned. Yeah. Um, which is pervasive in Canada as well, right? We brag in Canada about our about our single payer healthcare system. But again, dental doesn't count. It doesn't count as healthcare. All the bones inside your body count. As soon as the bones are in your mouth though, then you gotta pay up or you gotta have a job in order to afford that. And when you see how that like how life changing that would be for many, many people. Right. Uh, just to be able to regularly see a dentist or to get their get their teeth fixed. And then to see that just be kind of like either dismissed or just like proposed and then just like completely stripped out of this bill that they're doing to appease just some like arbitrary idea of like it's cost too much or and it's amazing with the extent to which these rich fucks will just like completely abandon these things oh, for which sure. would be so which would be just so life-changing for people yeah i did uh like another story is like last year uh on people i had you know a couple dozen people shared like their their dental uh, dental care nightmares, and it's like the most heartbreaking shit, man. Like people yeah. who just suffer. You know, like I don't know if you have you guys ever had like a needed a root canal because I I have, and like the pain, the pain that I lived with like for like two years, just like guzzling Advil every day because a root canal costs like four thousand dollars, and uh, people just like you know, suffer because who, who uh, you know, this was when I don't really have it now to $4,000 to spend, but like, this was, you know, my, like my twenties, I was like waiting tables. Like where the fuck was I going to get $4,000 for a, a root canal? If you and, get $4,000 in that point, you're probably not going to spend it on a root canal. Right. You know? For sure. I'm going <laughs> to spend it on beer and cocaine in my twenties. <laughs> 
and that's you know the important stuff. God bless you. Yeah, too. no, but uh, but some of them were like so fucking heartbreaking, and it's like, and people with bad teeth, like we judge people with bad teeth, you know. And there's like a whole yeah. other thing. It's like a class signifier, and so like, I, I mean, I'm not saying that we do that, but you know, people in general do that, and. <clears throat> This is just like it, 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 you know, the one option that we have for people, dental insurance, it's like the fakest shit I've ever heard of. Like dental insurance doesn't do anything. And it like it's like the opposite as bad as like medical insurance is dental insurance is like the opposite. So like at least when you're paying your four or five hundreds thousand dollars a month for medical insurance. Like at the very least, it's going to there's going to be a point where if you, you know, get in a car accident and you break all your limbs and all your bones in your body, whatever, it's going to cap off at some point, you know, it's going to be still an unaffordable amount, but it's going to, you know, that's the idea. You won't have to spend over a certain amount. Dental insurance is like the exact opposite in that it doesn't cover the expensive stuff. All it does is like cover the very basic shit. So you'll spend, I don't know, 50, hundred dollars a month on your dental insurance and all you get out of it is like two cleanings and maybe a filling. And if you need a root canal or anything like that, it's like, doesn't count towards that. Uh, it's like absolutely insane. I don't know. Uh, so I, I still don't have dental insurance, even though I could afford it at this point because there's like no point to it. You know, it's just like shoveling money into the furnace. What did and- you do about the root canal? Uh, I eventually, so I, I needed two at different points in my life and I got one and, um, you know, I just fucking saved up as much as I could and went on a payment plan. And then the next time I needed one, I just said, fuck it, pull it out. It was like $300. They just yanked, yanked it out of my skull. (laughs) And, you know, this, it was like way in the back, so it didn't really matter, but that was no picnic too. Have you ever had a tooth pulled before? They have to like... Think Not of, since I was a kid. Yeah, think about like how you or I, like let's say we were set to the task of pulling a tooth out of someone's head. Like imagine how we would do it. Like that's basically <laughs> what they do. Like like if I had to say, if I said, Jordan, you have to get a tooth out of Rob's head right now. <laughs> that's this happened. This happens I could, often. I could do actually, it. you'd I be surprised. Do yeah, no, I'll do it right they, now. They take. They take. The, the, the insurgent's office gets pretty wild sometimes. <laughs> they take the pliers, right, and they smash the whatever they smash the tooth with pliers and all the crumbs fall out and they suck it up so then there's like a bo- then there's like a bony nub sticking there and what they do like the dude literally put his leg up on the chair and had to be like <laughs> imagine like when you're um Imagine when you're getting the like when you're changing your tire and you gotta like loosen the bolts or whatever and you're like <clears throat> like push them and then like that's how teeth are taken out I mean this was like 10 years ago so perhaps they've invented- obviously the memory is still very vivid as well Dude, wouldn't, wouldn't you think wouldn't it wouldn't you think it would be yeah that's what i mean <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so i don't know dentist uh, dentistry is fake uh it's all it's all fake um but that's it it's like it, it's just been a sort of painful process to you know going over the last the last however long it's been since the inauguration i don't know i've lost all track of time right um almost a year but just this idea that like it is is the biden administration 
Are they going to make the same mistakes that Obama made? Are they going to actually, because they're, they're, in terms of the rhetoric that they were using, it seemed like they had kind of learned some of those lessons from the from the ass kicking that they got in right. 2012. You know, maybe they are going to go a little bit bolder. And they did propose a lot more a lot more stuff than I think what Obama was willing to do. And then just seeing that slowly get whittled down and chiseled away at um for no reason, like to, to appease people in their own party. Like this is right. all being done under the understanding that zero conservatives are going to vote for it. Zero Republicans are going to vote for it. They will, in fact, call it, you know, communism and communist government takeover and all this stuff. Um, and so they're just they're just arbitrarily, as as Democrats and liberals often do, arbitrarily negotiating with themselves. Yep, yep. Prior to sitting down at the negotiating table with the actual other who's supposed to be the opposition. And it's like... Now you see these with these elections that just happened the other day, particularly in Virginia, you're kind of seeing what the writing on the wall is unless some like unless some kind of fucking miracle happens. But it really does kind of seem like regardless of what efforts they may have made to try and avoid the same fate that they that what happened in the early Obama years, it just seems like they're headed right exactly back in that exact direction. And they're not they're just don't seem to be too interested in doing anything to 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 stop that from happening. Yeah, I mean, as cynical as I am, and I think we probably all are, there was a maybe a month or two there where I was like, okay, Biden looks like he was at least going to try to do some of this shit. Um, and, you know, of course, I was the dumbest motherfucker alive for thinking that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think that um, no matter what happens, I mean, we all know this, whatever, whatever happens, like – it's going to be blamed on on the left you know the fucking mcauliffe losing was blamed on the left the most milk- too woke the right. wokeness the most fucking milk toast fucking clinton <laughs> piece of shit and that somehow that's our fault that he uh that he lost uh, because we still got to hear we still have to hear from james carville right, right he's still he's riding he's he he's riding the fucking 30 year wave of being <sighs> half correct once in the fucking early 90s (laughs) and now we still still have to hear from this motherfucker every single time that there's an election cycle oh my god that dude sucks um (laughs) but yeah so i i don't know it's and that's why i it infuriates me when people with like libs and you know centrists get mad at people for harassing cinema and mansion and stuff it's like well you do they're always like well do you think this is going to help it's like probably not but like what it feels good yeah <laughs> it feels, like yeah i'm do. sure it feels good yeah. and like it's not gonna hurt because they're not gonna do this shit anyways you know so um i mean i'm you know i'm happy to see that i'm happy uh, like these people shouldn't have th- these comfortable lives that they have like uh, i'm not gonna advocate for hurting them or anything but like they should be uncomfortable every time they go out in public you know they like yeah they should be told to fuck off every single second that they're, you know, outside. Yeah, that's which is so perfectly exemplified in the uh, the mansion stuff today. So this is a guy who, when he's away from his home in West Virginia, and this guy is a multimillionaire, and he makes millions off of his son's coal company and has investments in energy companies and has a direct, like, vested interest in making sure that green policies do not get enacted or are severely neutered. Mm-hmm. Um, so he can maintain his own personal wealth and his family's wealth and also opposing like regulating and pricing uh, pharmaceuticals because his daughter runs a pharmaceutical company, yep. which was known for spiking the price of insulin. Uh, 
And this is a guy who, while he lives in D.C., lives on a yacht and drives, as we learned today, a Maserati. And there are people... Well, it isn't a yacht. I mean, let's not... (laughs) That's even the thing. An ostensibly, like, Democrat... (laughs) Like writer, I can the, see the I cowboy can see hat. The cowboy hat. Yeah, I can see your cowboy <laughs> yeah. hat right now. He's like, well, it's not actually a yacht; it's a houseboat. No, like if you were familiar with boats, after a certain length, there are yachts, and that's what he lives on. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you're pretty familiar with the yachts, there, buddy. <laughs> you know, I dated a woman whose family lived in um, Massachusetts. Where Where are you from again? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm from, uh, you wouldn't, uh, it's from, um, I actually grew up on a little <laughs> island. You wouldn't have heard of it. It's called uh, Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but we I were s- partying with the Obamas the other day at the big exclusive yeah. birthday party. Oh, you I, got to go to the birthday, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Our right. invites must have got lost in the mail, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, we really wanted to go. I, well, I, I was going to, no, actually, I was going to go just to see Pearl Jam, but once they canceled uh, them playing at his yeah, birthday party, uh, I didn't, no point. No, but when it comes to uh, when it comes to mansion and all the stuff we were just mentioning, Jordan, that's why I like I tweeted about this when a while back when he was kind of still you know a couple of weeks ago and he was first kind of starting this this sort of petulant act that he's been doing about ensuring that none of these things these positive super popular yeah. things on the on the agenda would go through, uh, and I was like, well, if if you were a real leader at this point, you'd be starting to threaten to throw Mansion's family in jail right now, right? Um, right. Why? But, and people got people got all mad, you know, liberals got mad. Well, that's authoritarianism, and that's like you can't do. That. But it's like it's not even like you're literally just talking about corruption. Like this is very this is a very clear, open and shut case of corruption on a number of levels, both both with his family and with him himself. And it's like the idea in America of like actually holding people to account, powerful political figures for engaging in this kind of like uh this kind of double dealing is just unthinkable it's like uncouth and uncivil to to the idea that you would actually hold people accountable for engaging in this kind of like what should be criminal like illegal behavior but it's just totally normalized totally accepted it's insane uh, it's insane making you know and it's like there's a difference between like investigating someone who your political opponent for bullshit reasons you know like uh, making shit up or, or, you know, spinning something that's nothing into a huge scandal and actually just be like, just following the laws that we already have, you know? Um, and, you know, if Biden was this, you know, two-fisted tough guy that he, you know, likes to, you know, project himself as, he would be roughing Mansion up in... I guess the only, I mean, whenever I say shit like this, people on Twitter is like, people are like, yeah, it's because Biden doesn't want to do any of this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, probably not. Like, you know, I don't think Biden all of a sudden became, you know, super fucking progressive lefty or whatever, uh, just because, you know, in his old age, that doesn't tend to happen. You know, people don't all of a sudden swing left at age 80. Um, But I don't think that he wants to fucking fall on his face with all this stuff, you know? Like, I think he wants to at least do some good things, if only for burnishing his own personal reputation. So, like, yeah. I don't agree that Biden wants to sink every single good thing. And that's, again, that's not to say that he actually wants these things, but he doesn't want to eat shit on his entire fucking presidency, right? Yeah, no, it's, that's kind of that's kind of was my thinking as well. It's just like not that not that anyone in the establishment of the Democratic Party has all of a sudden become these these like super ultra progressives overnight. But it's just for purely cynical, self-serving reasons. Maybe they would realize that like we need to do this in order to not 
get our get our asses handed to us again. Right. I even think Biden was kind of aware too historically of what the history, uh, what the historical record was going to say, and I think he, he, I think he got a sense that like he wanted to surpass what Obama was doing, and he wanted to be remembered like that. Like that was the that was my kind of logic for thinking like, well, maybe maybe they will actually do this stuff, but they don't. It's hard to it's hard to think that when when like you're pointing out, he's not. He's not even trying. He's not even really trying to push measures. He's just like, well, he said no, so can't right. do it. Move on. And it's just like, well, like in, in okay. like you said, so many of these things are really popular. It's not like there's going to be some, like if he, you know, if he ex- expanded, you know, Medicare or you know, or fucking canceled student loans or any of these things that that he could do, um, particularly loans, because like he could just do that on his own, right? As far as I understand it. Um, it would be such a fucking boon to the Democrats, even if we're, they're only doing it for their own cynical benefit. And yet they don't even seem to be able to do things that benefit themselves besides raising money, you know? Part of this that we saw play out in Virginia and some parts of New Jersey and then the rest of the country was that Democrats don't have a clear message uh, that that offers an alternative to what the Republicans are, and they're running largely now on like bullshit critical race theory uh, hysteria. And the Dems in Virginia mostly ran an anti-Trump campaign, and the the tactics were just like embarrassing and laughable in retrospect, like sending tiki torch people to reinforce that Trump nom- or, uh, endorsed Youngkin, and right. even sending out mailers reinforcing the endorsement, like really bad, like botched the job type stuff and the democrats don't offer an alternative what they 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 were i guess hoping for both you know midterm purposes and biden's legacy was let's run on reconciliation let's run on this huge spending bill all these great things but it doesn't look like they're doesn't look like they're going to do that so that's going to push biden into um you know potentially executive order territory okay what what can he accomplish with an executive order that gives him something to run on and one of those things that we learned this week a report was commissioned early on uh, in Biden's administration to uh, evaluate and assess the legality of canceling student loan debt via executive order. And the report concludes that they have that authority. They just don't. The, the only thing that's holding them back now is the political will to do so. Now we have reporters covering this stuff saying like, yeah, they're quietly acknowledging that they can do it and they just don't plan to. So that is something that would completely like uh, unburden a huge portion portion of like Gen Z or not Gen maybe a little bit of Gen Z but millennials and Gen X a a large segment of the workforce would have a huge weight off their shoulders mm-hmm. and it would you know increase purchasing power it would stimulate the economy there's so many people who can't do things because they're saddled by student loan debt and he can do that with the stroke of a pen and he chooses not to and I think that's just like a perfect encapsulation of where Biden is and his administration is mentally. It's they carefully want to construct uh, a, a legacy for him without going too far. And ultimately, they still want to, you know, they still want to cater to corporate interests. And not to mention, student loan debt is a huge, huge driver of military recruitment. Oh, for sure. I mean, eliminating debt would be would would be one of the most transforming things that has happened to the country in, in you know, in so long. And it, it just boggles my mind that he just, like, again, just for his own reputation, imagine how fucking beloved he would be by millions of people if he did that. Um, yeah. And he just doesn't want to. Like, the Democrats are like, you know, they're like a guy who's like 
you know, running towards the end zone with the ball and they're looking back at the refs, like every step of the way, like, am I allowed to do this? And then they're also like looking back at the other team, like giving them a chance to fucking stop them. You know, like they're always looking for, for some reason they think that they need the, the, the approval of, uh, the Republicans to do things. And it, and then, you know, to further torture this metaphor, then they bring in something like the who? What is it? The fucking Senate parliamentarian, or who's mm, the, who's the, the most pro- powerful person in America? <laughs> right, they're always appealing. <laughs> that we all know. We all heard of this position previously. I'll vote for her again. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're always like appealing to the fucking refs, being like, "Well, sorry, the ref said it <laughs> the was mods. A, yeah, the umpire said it was a strike, so you know." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see someone try to diagram that metaphor I just uh, constructed, but uh, I think we all uh, very easily understand what I mean, which is that you know, let's go, yeah. let's go, Brandon, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's just they're they're gonna go into this this next election cycle as well, and it's like they just it's gonna be the if they're gonna it's the most important election of everyone's lifetime. Oh, everyone's yeah. gonna vote blue, and it's like people people really did vote their ass off on this last election. <laughs> yeah, 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 they yeah. really did. They really did. And they gave the Democrat, they somehow gave them this majority. They they won the Senate, they won Congress, they won the White House. And just everyone's sitting there watching them arbitrarily just slash billions, billions of dollars after all these things that would help people so much, slashing their their much vaunted climate program, which I was told repeatedly during the primary, Rob, you got to check out Joe Biden. Look at that, plat- look at his platform, right. that trillion dollar climate plan that's now being like whittled down to ba- barely fucking anything, like especially like a drop in the bucket compared to what the United States spends in the military every year. Everyone has just been wa- watching this whole process play out. And then it's like, especially for young people who just consistently just get fucking shafted time and time again with with all of these discussions, all these priorities the young people care about are the first to be jettisoned anytime they start doing this kind of pre-negotiating routine. And it's going to be the same thing. You got to you got to go out and vote. You got to spend 4 hours voting for team blue again. It's the most important election. And it's like what what possible reason would people have to continue to think that like like how how much more do you want us to vote for you? Right. We just voted we just voted for you a lot. Right. But apparently it wasn't enough. But you just need those few more a few more senators and then we could do the thing. We could do the good thing. And the reality is when there is a few more senators, there's going to be someone else that's going to say that they can't do it. Yeah. There's going to be a couple more people that joined that cross the side, the cross to the other side. Um, like with Obama, we referenced Obama before. Obama had 59 senators right. and that was still apparently not enough to do any of the big things that people wanted them to do. So it's like there's really – there's no level of, of voting that people can do apparently that's going to actually mean – lead to like meaningful change to their lives. So it's like eventually people are just going to continue to drop out of this whole this whole process. Oh, I and think like I don't really be, blame them. I think – yeah, I think the midterms are going to be fucking bloodbath. And so I agree. So many people just aren't going to vote. Like fuck it. We, you know, we busted our asses to get this guy in a position to do something for us and he didn't and you know i'm just not going to go through, i'm not going to i'm not going to go uh, uh canvas anymore i'm not going to make calls you know it's like i did it last time i got nothing for it so fuck you i'm taking this one out taking you know sitting this one out and who would who could blame people for feeling that way yeah i'll tell uh, you who could it's like everyone on Twitter, anytime you say shit like this, saying like, just take what we can get now and we'll regroup and don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And, you know, we just got to get a couple more senators in there. And, you know, yeah, I, it's like boggles my mind. These people are the fucking 
biggest marks in the world. It's, I don't know. Yeah, the, a rudimentary, I saw this a couple of different places, but like kind of a rudimentary uh, analysis from Virginia, New Jersey, and how like the margins swung from the general in some of these districts. If that were applied nationwide, uh, you know, people like the redistrict guy and some other like election uh, number wonk people uh, were estimating it could be around 40 seats lost wow. by the Democrats, which were just... You know, they lose, they lose, probably lose both chambers, but like, that's just, that's catastrophic. Um, and you can't get, uh, they just tried yesterday, recording on, we're recording on Thursday, they just tried yesterday to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, and they had 51 votes, or 50 votes, and couldn't, couldn't do it because they won't kill the filibuster, wow. because of people in the Democrats, uh, in their own camp. So you have like mechanisms and ways to change it, start to address these things like making voting easier, making it more accessible, and you can't even do that. And as a result, we're just going to hand over control to Republicans and you have these kind of bootlickers who've like kind of formed their identity around being a Democrat, like capital D, they're proud of it, they love the party affiliation, that's their family, trying to admonish anyone who dares question that their strategy and and approach is a good one. Um, It isn't a good one. And that... uh, you know, we see the same type of people reinforcing the same playbooks, like all the Clinton era lackeys who have just consumed the airwaves for years, insisting this is what you need to do. And when the, as Luke Savage and Jackman put it today, uh, when the when the centrists win, it's because of triangulation, and when they lose, it's the left's fault. And that's just a game that people are tired of playing. They see the pattern, like they don't want to be part of it. They don't want to be beaten over the head when they, an election goes poorly and they had nothing to do with it. Uh, but as as you know, Van Jones said, this is a wake-up call. So I think, you know, everything's going to be good. Dems are finally going to realize that you need to win elections. Okay. Oh, good. I feel much better. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> well, I, yeah. as as, uh, as one of my favorite sports business writers, Darren Rovell, once said, I, I feel bad for the country, but this is going to be great content <laughs> either way. Yeah. Well, and it's like we were talking about earlier as well. It's like the people see these things getting taken out of these, these spending packages and these proposals. And people get rightfully angry about it. And then they talk about it like, oh, you just want all these, the puppies and rainbows and unicorns and whatever. But like we're talking about, just like with basic things like dental health, like this would be life changing. Right. Like people, people really underestimate how much people would, people's lives would be completely transformed by some of these very basic things that they're just arbitrarily removing, which they have the power to enact and they're just not doing it. Um, and then to, to chastise people that see that and, and choose to just like disengage with this party or, or make the decision that this party is not really a vehicle to enact these kind of changes and say that they just want some kind of, you know, some fancy, like a pony or whatever, whatever they say, it's really callous. It's really demoralizing for people. And, and like, it's, I think it's extra insulting when then people frame that as just throwing some kind of a tantrum, you know, yeah. it's, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know how people are supposed to respond to that. Well, I'm, you know, I'm usually a pretty depressed and dour person, but this conversation is, uh, man, every time. <laughs> yeah, it's really Jesus. Kind of brought, Literally, all our guests say this. It's like getting to be kind of brought me to a new low. Uh, this is the place where we all just come together and be like, oh. uh, for some reason, people like to listen to it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it either. Well, they sound like perverts to me. Well, here, here's a little, here's a little lighthearted thing that we can end with, uh, Luke. Okay. Uh, raise this, raise everyone's spirits a little bit. You know, you're a Boston guy. You mentioned another famous Massachusetts family 
the Kennedy family. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and they're back, apparently. That's I, what I'm yep. hearing. I'm hearing rumors. I, I Not only is the son coming back, 104-year-old oh. JFK himself, apparently, I don't know what happened with this, but was supposed to come back. I'm not sure, but... I heard that. Congratulations to you. I heard that that at Dunkin' Donuts, kid. They said that JFK was coming back, and uh, it fucking uh, sounds fucking pissed out of me. (laughs) Fucking psyched. I uh, yeah. That that's like one of the stupid. I I don't know. It's. uh, 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 I don't. It really is one of those moments, and I'm if in case anyone's not familiar, I'm talking about this. This. I guess it's like a, a subsect of QAnon or a, an offshoot who were gathering in Dealey Plaza the other day, the, the location of JFK's killing, because according to some prophecy, some some in the sacred texts, they figured out some special date that 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 JFK would be coming back and, and making Trump president again. The Kennedy family has, has figured fairly prominently into yeah. the QAnon stuff, particularly JFK Jr., Um that's been a fairly prominent thread with all that, but this is this is the first I had heard of like JFK Senior still alive, it coming back. He's going to make Daddy Trump president again. <laughs> this was a new thing, and they were all they were all there at Dealey Plaza to waiting for it. I, I to, to be honest, I I would be uh, if that actually happened, I would be very happy. I would be psyched about it. Uh, <laughs> it would mean you know well, <laughs> reincarnation is real, and there's an afterlife. And I will, you know, I would be, it, it also proved that being a Catholic uh, it gives you special powers. Superpowers, yeah. yeah. Which I've always secretly believed. Um, <laughs> so if it happens, hey, I, if if JFK Jr. comes back to life and he's, you know, got those bad bootcut 90 ge- 90s jeans on that he'd love to wear and he's got the, the blow dry haircut still and uh, he's flying around in a little plane. Uh, I will be the first to admit that I was wrong and QAnon was correct. And frankly, I I hope it does happen. What did you Uh, make of some of that footage, Jordan? I I don't know. I was just like depressed, more depressed than usual. Like this is that bad. It's it's just it's sad. Like I feel bad for those people. Um, Yeah, just like showing up. Like having like a crowd, it wasn't colossal, but it wasn't small. Uh, you know, there was probably like a hundred or so, maybe more people there, like who seemed like they truly believed that this guy was going to come back from the dead or was never dead or whatever. Yeah, well, they and weren't like, coming back from the dead. They both faked their deaths so they could go undercover to fight the deep state for several decades. Of course, of course, of course. The, never mind that we have like you know footage and eyewitnesses of this guy getting his head blown off. But it just it's so. It's so fucking sad, man. And like, why do they love JFK? He was a fucking JFK Jr. He was like a, a lib elite. I don't get it. I, I think and I don't totally get it either because I don't think there's a whole lot in common with the Kennedy family and the Trump family. I think it has something to do with like the deep state and like positioning Trump as somehow a victim of the deep state and someone who was like fighting back against the deep state covertly. I mean, that's a big part of what QAnon is. And obviously that's a big part of the conspiracy around JFK's death, that he, that he was assassinated by like interest within the United States government. Yeah, except the national that's security real. establishment. That shit's real though. Well, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the similarity is that they think, well, the deep state took out this guy, the deep, the deep state's going after our guy. So that's, that's the kind of connection there. But yeah, I think now, that's, it's tenuous. I would say that would be tenuous to me. I don't pay too close attention to that world just for my own sanity, but 
what was the reaction? I know, Rob, you've been doing uh, JFK Truth on your Twitch stream <laughs> recently, especially because those documents are now, you know, not being yeah. released. What what was the reaction to that? Like, did that play into it at all? Oh, I imagine so. I mean, every it's it's really it's really a lot of it is very typical cult stuff, right? And it's like everything becomes evidence of the of the conspiracy that you believe. And and in that case, that is actually strong. <laughs> like that's that's some legitimate evidence that does throw some very real kindling on that kind of fire. Um, but I think the most important thing too is that whenever these prophecies fail to come true, which is that's the whole history of QAnon, which started shortly after Trump was elected and was that Trump's election was supposed to trigger the the mass arrests of the Clintons and the libs and the whole arrest of the deep state and draining the swamp and all that stuff that was supposed to happen in like 2017 um and they've just continually shifted the goalposts every time these dates these these prophecy dates come and go they instead of saying like re taking a step back and reevaluating maybe maybe we were kind of misled on some of this stuff it's very it's it's that very cult like phenomenon when prophecy fails and all of these all of these dates are just they instead of like reexamining that they're all just doubling and tripling and quadrupling down and believing even harder and then just transit moving the goalposts and transitioning to the next big date that's going to come where where you know daddy trump is going to be reinstalled and all the all the bad guys are going to be rounded up and everything um it, it really is though an expression i think of the of the powerlessness that people feel and which is a very real phenomenon when you feel like you can't really have impact in the in the political process you can't have impact in the economy or any of these big these big things these big systems that control your lives and i can i sort of understand to an extent why people fall back into this stuff and like and and soothe themselves with this fantasy that the big strong man is going to come and make all the bad guys go away and he's going to fix, he's going to, you know, fix all the problems and then all this stuff's going to happen. It's just because people are so beaten down by, you know, years and years and years and decades and decades of things just progressively getting worse and having less power in the, over their lives and less power over society that they're starting to reach these fucking bizarre conclusions and reach out for these, these possible savior figures, um, no matter how absurd or ridiculous that it is. And it's a, the th the scary thing is that it's only going to continue to progressively get worse and and weirder, as as the very real crises that we're all dealing with, with the climate and housing and you know all the the economy and all the very real crises are going to continue. I just feel like as that continues, this, everything is just going to continue to get dumber and dumber and dumber and crazier. It just seems like there's no escape from this. I thought I thought we were supposed to be ending on a happy note. Yeah, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> this is all. I've, this is my only speed. I got one. I got one. Uh, okay. Luke, you're you're a food service veteran, yes. which makes you a troop. That's right. Yes. Uh, Literally braver than the troops <laughs> and the cops. Yes, honestly, dealing with unruly customers for like no pay mm -hmm. uh, yeah. is is worse than. Yeah. <laughs> Have you More seen more valuable this? to society as well? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Public service. You know. Uh, frontline frontline first responders the the story about salt bay and i know you guys remember him yeah yeah the viral sensation who sprinkled flaky salt over his elbow and onto your food uh his, his now you know his restaurants have been like social media sensations ever since those first videos went went viral and the items you know were another cycle the price of the items which people were shocked to learn that you're overpaying for this kind of stuff yeah but one of his restaurants just had a job listing posted for a chef and this is a restaurant that serves you know a thousand plus dollar steak 
and side items of like mashed potatoes and corn for like 16 bucks a pop. Certainly overpriced. And the hourly wage for this chef was $16. Jesus <laughs> and Christ. I, I was curious if you guys saw that and what your reaction uh, is and, and what your thoughts are generally of Salt Bay. Who we're now, I think we should just, we're starting a beef. Beef has been kicked <laughs> off. We're, we're beefing with Salt Bay. Hell yeah. I No, I see, I'm only vaguely aware of his thing, but it, like somebody, there was some really dumb uh, analogy to like going to a restaurant like Salt Bay and buying an NFT that I saw the other day. It's like basically you're spending a thousand dollars on the steak so you can have a photo of the that you yeah. took a thousand dollar steak. You ate a thousand. Get the Instagram steak. photo, right? Um, and I I don't know. I I think the whole thing is fucked up. I think that uh, it's it's people are just trying to. It's just trying to be a flex, and I don't even understand why that's a flex. You know, like I could understand maybe going to. You know, like me, uh, my close personal friend Gavin Newsom and I like to go to the French Laundry. Like, uh, it's great. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, can, I can understand that, but I just don't understand these like touristy trap places. And I also feel like I want to point out while I'm talking about this, I just was looking at my computer and I'm seeing a, a picture of something called a bread sandwich, which I'm sure Rob knows what that is. Um, <laughs> That's the Quebec thing, right? <laughs> right. And uh, I'm pretty, that I sounds British you, to me, could, which is that's a, that's a slander, actually. No, it's well, I'll tell you what it is it's an entire white loaf cut long, filled with ham salad, chicken salad, egg salad, <laughs> covered in a generous coating of cheese whiz and olives. And apparently, it's a Quebec uh, sounds fucking repulsive delight, and it looks fucking repulsive, but uh, I respect it more than I do uh, Salt Bay's restaurant. <laughs> and I, to be honest, I'm looking at this. I'm not familiar with that particular item. Yeah, right. He, yeah, he sure has it in the know. break room all the yeah, time. I'm sure you know. <laughs> Heating up in the microwave, it drives everyone <laughs> crazy. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is the one office faux pas. You can't heat up your bread sandwich in the microwave. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, speaking of which, um, I'm going to go eat some fucking $10 steak right now. So I'm gonna... Hell yeah. Um, well, Luke, thanks so much for joining us, man. It was great to talk to you. Yeah, yeah it was always fun to talk to you guys, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in person at some point. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we could uh, solve all the country's issues in the space Your of an problems hour. are fixed. That's right. <laughs> all right, guys. Where can people subscribe to uh, Hellworld? Uh, just you can find it at luke.substack.com. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, if you liked uh, what you what we talked about today, it's basically uh, basically how it goes. Nice. Luke, thank you for joining us. Big depressing slog for everyone. That's right, buddy. (laughs) Thanks again, guys. I'll talk to you. Take care, Luke. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again... Don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban, so please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye.